Hey friends, welcome to Crime Driven. Today we are recording episode one. And also before we get started telling our story, I would like to introduce my son, JJ, who will also be the producer and editor of all of our stories. So JJ, hey, welcome. Hey guys, what's up? So today JJ is also going to be our guest host and give his opinion and reactions to our story today. So are you ready to get started? Yeah, let's go. Oh, okay. Well, our first episode of Crime Driven is going to be about the mysterious disappearance of Linda Llewellyn Reynolds from Fort Smith, Arkansas. The evening of May 17th, 1982 was a typical breezy Monday night in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Now, Fort Smith is a city in western Arkansas that borders Oklahoma. I mean, it's right on the border of Oklahoma. We could walk there. In the early 80s, it was a booming manufacturing city of about 71,000 people. A woman named Linda, or Lindy as her friends and family called, called her, was just finishing up her shift at a popular restaurant called Bandito's. It was located on Towson Ave in Fort Smith. Lindy was a waitress there. She was a fairly typical employee, on time and there when she was supposed to be, just an all-around good employee. As described in some news articles, Lindy was a 30-year-old uppie party or good time girl, some even called her, or a groupie. A groupie? <laughs> Is that what they call them nowadays, JJ? Yeah, I guess. Just like somebody that's always in the party. At the parties or... On the scene somewhere. Yeah, on the scene and in the bars watching all the concerts and following bands around, things like that, Just right? active everywhere. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, so, yeah, so her people call her a groupie because she also frequently hooked up with members of the bands, I guess. I don't want to get into what hooking up could mean because who knows, right? Um, I guess she loved going to bars and clubs where rock bands were performing. I mean, she was a single, what, 30-year-old, so, hey, do you, right? So most of the bars and clubs where the rock bands were performing um, were really close around the area, probably within 10, 15 minutes from her home. One of the clubs called Foxfire, which during the 80s was located on Towson Avenue. And actually, Foxfire is still open now. It, it's just relocated to a different part of town. It's actually on North 10th Street. And another bar called Harry's, which was located over the border in Oklahoma and Roland, which is literally five minutes from downtown Fort Smith. Um, they're closed now, but they had moved into Fort Smith eventually at some point. And so that was the bars that she went to the most. And I'm pretty sure you've heard of some of them bars, probably, maybe. Harry's, I've heard of that one. Yeah, that, that used to be a pretty popular one. Um, not even that long ago, I guess they had like karaoke and different performances and things. I don't know why it closed down. That's interesting. Yeah. Try to see. So, um, at this time of her life, Lindy was really happy. She was always, in, she's been in a good mood because her sister, Susie, was uh, going to be coming to visit her. And Susie's kids, who she adored very much, and, you know, she missed her sister and, 
not living close together anymore kind of, you know, separated them to where she was just really excited to be able to get to visit with them soon. So on this Monday night, after she got off of work, she was wanting to go home and change and and do makeup or whatever she had to do because there was a popular band that was going to be playing at Harry's over in Roland and she wanted to go hang out with some friends. So she gets home um, around 1030 or so to change and make up and do all the stuff that she needed to do to get ready for the night. And by 11 o'clock, she was ready to go. So she jumps in her car and heads off to Harry's, supposedly. Um, No one's actually really sure if that's where she went right off the bat. But as far as we know, that's where she was heading off to, was to Harry's. And as far as her parents know, she at some point during the night came back home because her car was there. So she had to have come home at some point left her car and she also left a note for her parents to let them know that she was going to spend the night with some friends and that she would be back home in time to go to her shift the next day at five at the diner or restaurant that she worked at. But she didn't talk to her parents or anything. She just left a note. Yeah, I, maybe they were sleeping. I mean, you know, it was 11 or well, they don't even know what time. It was that she actually came back home to drop the car off and leave the note that I just they just know it was around 11 or so that she headed out. She got in her car and headed out. So maybe 11 was the time they were still kind of up. Maybe they weren't sleeping. So that's how they know that she left in her car and, and took off. Or maybe a friend had seen her uh, driving her car to wherever she was that night. It doesn't specify, but yeah. So maybe by the time she got back, her parents were asleep. So that's why they didn't know exactly what time she had dropped her car. Yeah. So, um, but after that, that was the last time Lindy was ever seen her home again. Um, Her mom found the note the next morning, but she didn't think anything about it really because that's, was like usual of Lindy. She would leave a note if her parents were sleeping to let them know, hey, I'm going to go stay with friends tonight or I'll be back at this time or that time or whatever, just to kind of keep them in the, you know, in the know. So they probably just figured she went to work or. Or she might be going to leave from her friend's house to get to work. Like, I mean, they don't know if she took anything with her, you know, as far as like work clothes or whatever she needed. You know, if she was going to be gone. So, yeah, it wasn't the first time that that happened and that she stayed out all night or whatever. I mean, she's 30 years old, you know, you can't. I mean, I'm pretty sure her parents aren't like, hey, you got to be home at a certain time. Obviously, she's 30, right? So she just lives with them probably just, you know, for the comfort of it. So that Tuesday was a typical for everyone until later in the evening when Lindy's mom, Nancy, got a call from Lindy's boss at the restaurant and according to him lindy didn't show up for her 5 p.m shift so now it's the next day lindy hadn't been home all day and she's supposed to be at work at five but never showed up um 
And not only did she not show up for work, but she didn't pick up her paycheck either. So mm-hmm. I guess that's where the boss is like, okay, wait, something is going on here. This is not normal. It's not, you know, how Lindy usually rolls, I guess. So that's why he decided to call. Uh, maybe he was actually calling to talk to see if Lindy was there. It doesn't say if he like asked for Lindy, like was going to try to find out like, hey, you know, you didn't come to work at five. Did you know you're supposed to be at work or did you forget or whatever, you know, but ended up uh, on the phone with her mom. Yeah. Because obviously Lindy wasn't at home. So she didn't get to work at five o'clock. She didn't even pick up her paycheck. So now Lindy's mom is like, okay, this is not right. Something's wrong. This is not like Lindy. She wouldn't just skip out on work. She wouldn't just not pick up her paycheck. I mean, who wouldn't just go pick up their paycheck, right? I mean, that's just not typical for anybody, really, that I know of. So now that Lindy's mom has all this information, okay, Lindy's been out all night. She didn't go to work. She didn't pick up her paycheck. And so now her mom's getting worried, like, where could Lindy be or what could she be doing? Because no matter what Lindy did or how she was outside of home or how she was with friends, she would always stay connected with her family. And I mean, this is back in the 80s. So staying connected with your family was, you know, a phone call from a landline. Because they didn't have cell phones or text messages or social media or location devices. None of that stuff back then. That's why she left the note, right? That's why she left the note, right? Because, you know, that was the way of communicating in the 80s. Or, like I said, calling on a landline. getting You know, a lot of people, they would call friends of friends to try to find out it is this person at your house or is this person at have you seen them or something yeah yeah you know it wasn't it wasn't the same as it is nowadays where you can just text a person and kind of wait for a response or a call back so her mother was concerned she was getting worried and so she goes up to her room tries to see if she could find i guess she lindy has an address book which also was a thing of the 80s that is not any longer an address book an address book you know you write all your friends names addresses phone numbers instead of storing it in your mobile device like nowadays <laughs> would you just carry it around um some people probably did maybe in their pocketbook or some people just left it like lindy did in her room in a drawer or something probably it might have had addresses of other people maybe that weren't around town where she needed to remember so she could Maybe write letters like a pen pal or yeah. something like that. <laughs> so her mom found the address book, um, started contacting some of her friends, but came up with nothing. I mean, nobody knew where Lindy was. Um, a lot of them said they didn't even see her. And the friends that she had mentioned in the note that she had left the night before that she was going to hang around with at Harry's, they said she was actually trying to... Get one of the band members to leave with her. But the guy was not showing any interest in Lindy and started hanging out with another girl. 
So Lindy just brushed it off, supposedly, and decided to leave with another guy she met. But who is the other guy she met? Because um, nothing that I found, any research, says anything about a name or that it was a guy that, you know, was from the area, lived around. So we don't even know who this guy is. It could be somebody that they were already friends with or acquaintances with or her friends may have been acquaintances with. It doesn't say anything about that. So we don't even know. This guy could be just some Joe Schmo from who knows where. Nobody knows because it doesn't say. Yeah. <clears throat> so Lindy and this guy were supposedly going to head off. Now, this is coming from friends. So and we also have to think these friends were they really paying attention? Were they, you know, like keeping an eye on Lindy and watching what she was doing to make sure they knew where she was? And also, obviously, they were at a bar at a, some concert that, you know, a band was playing there. So it was a concert and everybody's drinking. Yeah. So they're probably all scattered around talking to different people, probably talking to different people, plus drinking like where they, you know, really like as far as a timeline on you know right on point with that yeah. um so you know who knows but friends that were with her supposedly um that were apparently paying attention or or watching what she was doing said that her and this guy that she left the bar with were heading back to Fort Smith over the bridge because Roland is just over the bridge into Oklahoma, and that's where Harry's was at the time. And they were going to go to this uh, place called the Country Kitchen, which I suppose probably was a diner that was maybe a 24-hour diner or something like that. So they're heading back over there. But like I said, none of this information is concrete. None of this information is something that police can say was exact because of who it was coming from and where the people were at the time. Now, three days have passed. So now we're on, what, Friday? Because Monday she's, she's going out. Monday was the night she was going to Harry's to yeah. go watch the concert or the band play. Tuesday is when she didn't show up for work. So now three days later, we're on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Friday yeah. Okay. Did they file a police report yet? No, not yet. Until this Friday. This was the third day of Lindy being gone and not coming home at all. Her parents finally went to the police station for Smith and reported her missing. The report was filed with the FSPD, but there was not much investigating being done. And why? Well, because Lindy's an adult. They don't really always do a whole lot of investigating when an adult is reporting missing because sometimes some adults, just they, leave. they just, they want to go missing. They don't want to tell somebody where they are or they don't care to tell somebody where they are, right? I mean, if you're out and doing some stuff and you don't want nobody to know, then you're not going to tell anybody. And they probably don't do too much investigating or 
didn't do too much investigating because they didn't have any reports of like foul play or yeah anything nefarious yeah right so this detective um just really suggested to the family that maybe she was gone because she wanted to be gone which her family was like no that's not no that's not our daughter that's not lindy she doesn't just leave and be gone and you know, three, four days and not tell anybody where she is or not contact us or something, right? I mean, her one family friend was quoted saying, Lindy cared too much about her family to not let them know where she was. She adored her sister's children and would not have gone away with their pending visit coming up, end quote. And that's, you know, because like I said, her sister was going to be coming from another state to visit. So now um, some time has passed and nothing is really being done about the investigation. I guess it's been, you know, now some weeks. No new leads, no new tips. Nothing was coming in about it. I mean, the case was going cold. And until a few months later. So this happened in July. So now we're going to go into September of 1982. The Fort Smith Police Department received a flyer from the Washoe County Sheriff's Office in Reno, Nevada. In Nevada? Yeah, from Nevada. They received a flyer about um, the picture was of an unidentified homicide victim who really resembled or what or they thought really resembled Lindy. So they, I guess, you know, did what they had to do as far as the investigation into that. Um, What they did was they tried to match up Lindy's dental records with the Jane Doe that they found murdered. And unfortunately, after more months passed, they got the answer that no, it wasn't Lindy. This wasn't her. So fortunately, but unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, exactly, because, I mean, the family say, okay, she didn't end up dead in Nevada, right? But, so where is she still? Yeah, she still could be alive. Yeah, I hope, well, that's what their hope or was, I'm sure. what they're thinking. I don't know how the story ends. Yeah, I mean, you know, we don't know what people think or how they feel about things. Or I think some people, they say, well, we get this feeling that she could still be out there somewhere. Or she could still be alive, you know, I mean, I guess it's just some kind of instinct if it's your family member yeah that you can have so now we're going to move all the way to new year's or around the new year after new year's of 1983 so we're going to be say we're in january 1983 now and lindy's mom gets a phone call um she answers the phone and the person on the other line was a man and this man is like hey uh i found something and Lindy's mom's like, oh, you found something okay. Um, so what's that got to do with me, right? Um, and so the man who was actually, he was a plumber and he was doing some work under a building. And he said he found a purse and he looked through the purse to try to see, you know, if there was an ID or something in there. And he apparently found something because he got Lindy's name and number, I'm sure, looked up in a phone book. To try to see, you know, who Lindy was or, well, I would have said Linda Reynolds, right? 
So um, Nancy, Lindy's mom, was really overwhelmed from the discovery. And uh, when she asked the man a little bit more information, like, okay, where did you find this purse? You know, where did you find it? Because now it's been, it's getting close to a year that Lindy's been missing, right? So she's, like, anxious to find out, like, hey, you know, where did you find that? Well, apparently the man is doing some plumbing work and he's working on a building, um, which is called Harry's. The bar that Lindy was supposed to be last, going to that night. The last one she was at before they went to the, that one diner? Well, if she even went to the diner, because uh, yeah. they don't even know for sure. There's no actual proof she went to the diner. Just, there's not. Just no. people she was with saying that? Yeah, it's just like hearsay. Yeah, they don't know for sure that she was at the diner, made it to the diner, even left with this guy that she supposedly left with. They don't even know that part. But she had to left at some point because her car ended up back at her house. So now that um, Lindy's mom had proof that she was at Harry's that night. So that's, you know, I guess maybe a good place to start or, or, or concrete evidence to the police that are doing this investigation of a known place that Lindy was at that night. Now with the discovery of Lindy's purse that the man had found her family and friends had a lot more questions and where were they going to try to get the answers from? Well, they were going to try to get the answers from the detectives, but unfortunately the detectives didn't have any answers, didn't have any more information. The purse really didn't even give them any new leads except for the concrete evidence that she was at Harry's at some point during the night. Her mother mother is quoted saying this, that Lindy has such an innocent side to her. She was naive and she had a good heart. She never developed self-confidence or esteem, which I'm sure resulted in the behavior she exhibited. She found love and attention in the only way she knew how. So that was from Lindy's mom was a quote. Um... I'm guessing what she meant by that was her being a party or good time girl. And maybe going out and drinking more often than some people would. Yeah. That's what I get from that. So even with that being said, her family knew something wasn't right and they wanted the answers they deserved. I mean, it's been almost a year. Like I said, they want answers. They want to know something at least like is she dead is she alive where is she where could she be who is she even with so in the fall of 1983 now this is we're over a year now in the fall of 1983 after their daughter's disappearance and these parents decided to hire a detective a private detective and i don't this name i might mess it up i'm not 100 percent sure little weird but i'm gonna try his name was steve nawashik that's how i'm gonna say the name mm, what nawashik nawashik yeah you don't hear many names like that yeah, around no. here so yeah we're gonna go with nawashik so here's uh, say Steve. Yeah, Steve. Detective, private detective Steve. That's yeah, what we'll detective say. Detective Steve. There you go. So, Detective Steve, private detective Steve, 
who uh, actually later served as a coroner in two Arkansas counties and was the director of the Arkansas State Crime Lab. So he was not just a private detective. He did other stuff, too. And it sounds like um, he probably worked with a lot of uh, murders or disappearances, probably. Yeah, so he knows, like, what he's doing. Yeah, he definitely knows what he's doing. So he interviewed several of Lindy's friends and some of the men she knew. Uh, one of Lindy's friends and bar hopping buddies, and I'm doing that air quotations, bar hopping buddies or acquaintances, because apparently she probably didn't really hang out with this person other than at the bar. Yeah, to go out drinking or maybe somebody that was at some of the same bars she was at. So they kind of like, hey, you know, talked to her, hung out a little bit while they were at the same bar. Um, Well, he or she told of a bartender slash drifter named Ray, who they thought seemed to have gone missing pretty much around the same time Lindy did. But according to detectives, and I'm not, this is not private detective Steve, this is Fort Smith Police Department detectives. They were not aware of any bartenders disappearing around that time. So that lead turned out to be a dead end, according to them. But there was also another lead they thought was worth looking into. Now, remember, we're in 1983 already. It's been over a year since Lindy's been missing. And um, so they got this lead that they decided to definitely look into. They were really, like, hot on the trail, this one. Uh, There was this female acquaintance of Lindy's who also went missing. And her name was Diane Nels. Diane was not much different than Lindy as far as nightlife went. She was a party girl, good time girl, too. And um, she frequented the same bars and clubs, had many of the same acquaintances as Lindy. So I'm guessing they weren't actually friends, you know, maybe if they even talked to each other at all while they were out at any of these bars or, or places. But, you know, they knew some of the same people and stuff. So, uh, also, Diane had a similar appearance to Lindy, according to this lead. Uh, At the time of Diane's disappearance, this was in July of 1983. So, it's pretty much a year later, exactly. And she was also 30 years old, which she would have been a year younger than Lindy. But when she disappeared, she was 30 as well. They were the same age. Um or it was around the same time of the of the year just different years and uh diane was reported missing and her vehicle was found parked close they said close to the foxfire nightclub and which is one of the bars that lindy frequented as well uh that was mentioned at, at the beginning of our story so her car was found close to the bar, so I guess she could have been there. Diane's car. So she could have been at this bar uh, before she went missing. So now detectives are doing their investigation into Diane's disappearance. So now they're investigating two 30-year-old women that, within a year apart from each other, have gone missing. And they're trying to find any connections that they can between Diane and Lindy to try to piece this puzzle together. 
And I'm not going to go into uh, too much of Diane's case right now because um, we're going to do another episode on Diane just on its own. But it was around Christmas now of 1984. So this is like almost two years. It's like a year and a half or so. Diane's been missing going into almost three years or three and a half years that Lindy's been missing. It was around Christmas 1984. Two hunters were in the woods in Crawford County, Arkansas, which is neighboring county of where Fort Smith is. Just a hop, skip, and a jump, just like Roland is in Oklahoma from Fort Smith. Um, They were out hunting, doing their thing, and they spotted what they thought were human remains. So detectives went and did an investigation and soon after they announced that in fact they were human remains and through whatever measures they took to make the identification that it was the remains of diane elms so eventually detectives would come to the conclusion that lindy's case and diane's case were not connected and i think when the next um episode that we Put out about Diane's disappearance, you will kind of figure out why they came to that conclusion that they weren't connected. But like I said, this is still in the 80s, so just because at that time they didn't think they were connected, that doesn't mean they totally weren't connected, in my opinion. I don't know what you think. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I would have to hear both stories yeah yeah once you hear both stories i guess people could have their own opinion now it's been over three years lindy's been missing diane nelms was unfortunately found deceased her remains were found um nothing's really going on with the investigation no new tips no new leads just nothing lindy's parents uh they provided samples of their DNA to law enforcement. They sent all the information they had on Lindy's case to the Arkansas State Crime Lab. They have tried everything they can think of to find the answers or the whereabouts of their daughter. Even con- They even consulted a couple of psychics. And actually, this is very normal, especially in cases of that are unsolved, unsolved murders and disappearances. Things like that. People always consult psychics. And whether they believe in it or not, it's like, I don't know if it kind of like gives them hope or or helps them to maybe come to terms with certain things. Or they figure it's just worth a try, maybe. Yeah, just worth a try to, to see what the psychics could tell them. I mean, I, I don't really have an opinion about psychics. I believe that maybe some people are psychic. Maybe some people can determine or know things that most people wouldn't know about something. Yeah, I believe some there is maybe some psychics, but there's also some people that just say they are. and They're just trying to get one over on somebody. Yeah, maybe just get paid. You're trying to get their name out there to people think, trying to, yeah. to get popular or something to where, yeah. But anyway, so uh, both the psychics, her mother said, told her that Lindy wasn't on this earth anymore. 
So that's kind of sad. One of the psychics in Phoenix said Lindy's abductor had gone into the Reynolds house with her before. And so what this means is that according to the psychic, this person that took Lindy was obviously some kind of acquaintance or friend. Because why else would that person have been in their house before? Like a good enough friend for her to let inside her house. Yeah, because it wasn't just like her own apartment, being a single 30-year-old, had an apartment, just kind of letting whoever come in. It was her parents' house, too, so I'm pretty sure that whoever she did take there was somebody she trusted to take to her house where her parents lived. Over the years, police have followed up on very, very few leads. And really, none of them ever came out with anything. And they didn't get them any closer than they were in 1982 when Lindy disappeared. One of the musicians who played in the Fort Smith area back in the day said a lot of people were regulars where the bands performed. He did not remember Harry's, he said, but he did remember Lindy, which is kind of weird to me because Harry seemed like a really popular place. How could you not remember that? But you remember a certain person. I don't know. I guess it's whatever. Maybe she just followed that band. Enough for they can, yeah, yeah, that they remembered her. Um, he said, and this is a quote, she was just always around and nobody knew anything about anything really. What I heard was that she was really drunk one night in a bar and left with some guy and nobody ever saw her again. They figured she ended up over across the line in Oklahoma out in the river bottom somewhere. That was strictly just talk. But if she has not surfaced in all these years, she's probably not going to. That's too bad. I hope she's found peace, end quote. And this was from the band member that the reporters had talked to. Um, Her mom said, we had a memorial for her five years after she disappeared. It was really hard for our friends because what do you say to someone who has lost a child like that? But in reality, no one knows how Lindy was lost. She was abducted, or was she abducted? And if so, where are her remains? Because after all these years, I don't think she would still be alive and being held captive somewhere. Or were the detectives right all along and Lindy was just gone because she wanted to be gone? What do you think? I mean... I don't know. A lot of people say stuff like that. You know, like, no, my family member wouldn't do that. My family member would always keep in touch with her family. She wouldn't just leave and disappear or or not contact anyone. And then sometimes they still do it. Yeah, sometimes they still do. And I have actually heard stories or heard of people being found years and years later. There was just a, a woman found recently that disappeared from her family, just left one day and nobody knew why. They thought she was dead. And actually, I think that she was declared deceased at some point because there was no signs of her anywhere and they actually found her later on in florida leaving just however she wanted to live i guess at some point she was homeless some point she was Uh, not yeah i think i heard of that yeah so i mean there's instances like that where people do just disappear because they want to um it's been almost 40 years now since lindy's been gone since she's disappeared 
She'd be in her 70s now. Her parents, Nancy and Wayman, eventually moved away to Nevada with Lindy's sister. I guess maybe that, you know, how it's how they dealt with their grief. Yeah, just get out of the town. Yeah, just be away from the people and places that reminded them of her. Um, her mom, Nancy, actually passed away in 2019. And her father passed away in uh, 2022, I believe. And they never knew what happened to Lindy. They never knew what happened to their daughter. They never knew if she was dead, alive, where, when, how, none of that. I mean, uh, her mom had wrote a, a poem about her that we'll add uh, to the description. I'm not going to read it now. Um, but just let me give you some of the deeds. Uh, her name, Linda Llewellyn Reynolds. She's still classified as endangered and missing. She's been missing since May 17, 1982. Her last known location was Fort Smith, Arkansas, in Sebastian County. Her physical description, her date of birth is 1952. She was, she was age 30. She is a white female. She was around 5'6", 110 pounds at the time, had blonde hair and hazel eyes. Uh, she went by the nickname Lindy. Um, she had a scar on her abdomen, which is a healed fracture. Oh, she or she had a healed fracture of right clavicle. Um, she has dental records and fingerprints. No, I'm sorry. No fingerprints available. Just DNA and, and dental records available. Um, if any remains, I guess, were ever found of hers. Uh, they, the circumstances of disappearance that they have on the flyer says... On May 17, 1982, Miss Reynolds left Bandidos, a restaurant where she worked as a waitress, and arrived at her parents' house about 10.30. She left her car at the house and left a note for them saying that she would be spending the night with friends. When she did not show up the next day for work, her boss called her parents, but they didn't know where she was. Their friends mentioned Lindy, Linda, so no, did not know or in the note, did not know where she was either. Her parents reported her missing several, several days later. Uh, one thing I noticed on here was it says that she left her car at the house, but in other articles it says that she had at some point left the car, she left in the car and then returned the car. So I mean, that might not be fully correct. But if you have any information at all about the disappearance of Linda Llewellyn, Reynolds, a.k.a. Lindy, uh, you can contact Fort Smith, Arkansas Police Department. Uh, the person you contact there is Sharon Pitts, P-I-T-T-S. And the phone number there is 479-785-4221. And uh, there's also email and case number that we'll have in the description as well. If you have any tips or know anything or, or know anyone that may know something, uh, please give them a call. Get your tip in. And uh, that's our first episode complete. Thank you, JJ, for joining us today. And I'm sure we will be hearing from you again in future episodes. Yeah, hopefully a solved one. Hopefully a soft one. We'll get you on a soft one. Thank you for listening. See you next time.